Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pergar. Corey, the NFL draft is wrapping up. As always, Penn State has a good showing, but we're not here to talk about that just yet. We'll get to that here later in the podcast. What I want to talk about first are the comparisons between guys, the quarterbacks. You have Sean Clifford, who comes back for another season, just like Kenny Pickett did. Kenny Pickett, here's his name called. He's the first quarterback selected in the draft, drafted in the first round, picked number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He just goes a few feet next door to their headquarters after spending his career at Pitt. Had an excellent senior season, Heisman finalist. Cool year, great year for him, set, set record upon record upon record. But why is there still a comparison for him and Clifford and or can Sean Clifford replicate that moving forward? Well, this is what I think is uh, an interesting discussion because what was Kenny Pickett going into the 2021 season? Okay. Um, I remember pro football focus, take them for whatever they're worth. I don't see them as gospel. They rated Sean Clifford as the number 88 quarterback in the country going into last season, Jared. That was way low, but still but they also had Kenny Pickett I believe number 55 the number 55 quarterback in the country in college football going into the 2021 season so Kenny Pickett ends up having a phenomenal year third in the Heisman and I'm a Steelers fan I will mention that first and foremost I don't cover the Steelers I don't cover the NFL so when I'm talking about the Steelers I'm talking about the Steelers as a fan and I, I like a little bit that they picked Kenny Pickett. I think he has a lot to prove. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a guarantee that he's going to be a slam dunk, slam dunk you know, franchise quarterback for 10 years. I hope he will be. But the question of could, could Sean Clifford become another Kenny Pickett, I'm going to get to the stats here in just a second, and we'll t- kind of take a look and compare. But the, the, the bottom line is going into the 2021 season, Kenny Pickett was – really nowhere to be thought of in terms of the NFL. A buddy of mine who follows Pitt real close, he said he might have been maybe considered a fifth or sixth round pick going into the 2021 season. At this stage right now, Jared, and you can disagree if you you think, I don't think Sean Clifford gets drafted next year. As of right now, I would not think that he would be um, 
slated to be drafted, depending on what he does in his final season as a starter. But if you see the comparison, it's not like Kenny Pickett went into last year and everybody's saying, whoa, Kenny Pickett, there's a, there's a first-round guy for you. No, right. And that's the thing. He was kind of under the radar, which is, I think, a great opportunity because he turned out a lot of heads. Um, he didn't have to come back. He, 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 I think he would have gotten drafted. Um, it would have been much, much later than what he was this year, clearly. Um, Clifford hasn't really ever been on draft radars, I don't think. And, you know, you can say what you want about the offense. And, and I don't think it, this is all Clifford's doing necessarily because, listen, the offense hasn't been great in two years. There hasn't been much continuity um, since the Cotton Bowl victory. But at the same time, you know, you look at a guy like Kenny Pickett and he had Jordan Addison, who's no longer, who might not be with the program much longer. Um, that's a big deal. He was a blit. He's won the Blitnikoff award, right? That's yeah. He, mm-hmm. he won a lot of awards. He was an all American uh, Pickett did a great job. Um, can, can, are we saying that Sean Clifford is going to be a Heisman hopeful? No, but I do think there is value in coming back and, and trying to prove, improve your draft stock. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, on paper, it does seem like Penn State should be significantly better than next year than they were this year. It can't. Get- oh my God, you, you'd hope so. Uh, yeah. l- let me just answer the question first of all: Is Sean Clifford going to be another Kenny Pickett? No. Okay, we're, let's not delude ourselves into thinking that you know uh, this is more than it is. But Kenny Pickett's first year as a starting quarterback at Pitt, his first season, he threw for nineteen hundred and sixty-nine yards. Sean Clifford's first year as a starter at Penn State. Threw for 2,654 yards, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That was 2019. Pickett threw for 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. Pickett's second year now, this is where things get a little different. His second year, 3,100 yards, only 13 TDs and nine interceptions. Uh, now, Clifford's second year was the abbreviated 2020 season. He, he threw for 1,883 yards in nine games, but did have 16 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He had more touchdowns in an abbreviated season than Kenny Pickett did during his second season as a starter, Jared. All right. And so then their final or his, in their third season, Kenny Pickett in his third season as a starter threw for 2,408 yards. Sean Clifford in his third season as a starter last year, when he really didn't have a great year threw for 3,107 yards, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Pickett's third year, as a starter, he threw for 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You look statistically, for the first three years of their careers, Sean Clifford outperformed Kenny Pickett. Bottom line, period. Uh, that's just, if you're talking Pickett was 58, 61, and 61% completion percentage. Clifford was 71, uh, well, I'm sorry, f- uh, 59, 61, 61. So statistically speaking, st- for as much as, we will criticize Sean Clifford, and I've been as critical of Sean Clifford as anybody. Sean Clifford was better statistically than Kenny Pickett. Now, stats are worth, you know, there, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, okay? Uh, Kenny Pickett probably always had more of an upside than Sean Clifford, and Kenny was dealing with a bunch of dropped passes at Pitt, you know, some, some injuries here and there. But that's, that's what, what is interesting Not that I think, Jared, Sean Clifford is going to be Kenny Pickett in year four. Kenny Pickett in year four, 4,400 yards or 4,300 yards, 42 touchdowns, seven picks. I don't think Clifford has that in him as an upside. But going forward, Kenny Pickett will be the gold standard of college quarterbacks 
who have basically been mediocre in their careers. Kenny Pickett was a mediocre college quarterback for three years, and then he became a superstar and a first-round pick. And if he can do it, why not Sean Clifford or basically anybody else? Right, and I think that's the other thing, too, is you also have to pay attention to, hey, for him to not try to be Kenny Pickett, right? Be Sean Clifford, not try to be the guy that goes out and, and does what Kenny Pickett does and try to be that guy. So as long as he stays and stays within his capabilities, I think there's value in that too. Listen, there's nobody that's as experienced as him as a starting quarterback in college football. Um, it's that simple. So that I think speaks volumes as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But, you know, while Sean Clifford might be able to build his draft stock to what it can be, next year um in the fall let's talk about some guys that were drafted and did hear their names called over the course of the weekend when we come back for the second segment of the we are podcast the dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, as all as what it seems to be, uh, it was another successful weekend for Penn State football players hearing their names announced um, at the NFL draft. Boy, you feel really good for some of these guys. A couple of them, you kind of think, well, uh, that, that had to be really disappointing. But uh, first round, Jahan Dotson to Washington, second round, Arnold Ebicady to the Falcons, second round, Jaquan Brisker to the Bears, fourth round, Brandon Smith to the Carolina Panthers, fourth round. How about this? A punter. This, this was maybe the biggest surprise in the whole draft for me, Jordan Stout going in the fourth round to the Ravens. So now they have Justin Tucker, maybe the best kicker of all time, and they have Jordan Stout, who I think is going to be a sensational punter. That's just amazing that Jordan Stout works his way into the fourth round, even ahead of the punt god, the Eraser guy from San Diego State, who was mm-hmm. incredible. And then sixth round, Tariq Castro-Fields, probably a little disappointing. And then the seventh round, Jared, uh, Rashid Walker going in the seventh round to the Packers. He was, was a first-round guy coming into the season. There was a time, that's right, last year that people thought Rasheed Walker could be a, a first-round guy, a, a huge tackle, 
and he goes in the seventh round and then Jesse Lucada uh, going uh, in the seventh round to the Cardinals. I know there had been hope after Jesse had had a nice, you know, build up that he could maybe get into the fourth, fifth round. So he goes to the seventh. Look, they got drafted. It's phenomenal. Eight guys drafted. That's outstanding. Uh, and we'll get to Jahan Dotson more in just a minute. But I got to think Rasheed Walker and Jesse Lucetta, you know, again, drafted is one thing. But in the, going in the seventh round near the end, that's, that had to be disappointing seeing them slide that far. Yeah, I think that's a disappointment uh, to an extent. But, again, he gets drafted. And I think that's a good value pick for Green Bay. I mean, we talked uh, at length quite a bit about him um, on this podcast and what we've written on the site, that he had the potential to be a, a, a day one guy. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out for him, but I think Green Bay has the opportunity to really get a good, um, a good pick. Now, seventh round, that's tough. You know, of course you're drafted, that's great, but you got to make it worth it. You got you to earn your spot. Now, guys like Jahan Dotson, his spots solidified um, and deservedly so. Um, but yeah, I mean, Penn State's putting out a lot of guys to draft. This is, um, you know, the five consecutive years of five or more picks. And this is the most, these are the most picks since 1996 when they had 10. You know, this is a successful run for getting guys to the NFL while the results haven't always been the greatest on the field. But I mean, back to Jordan Stout, right? Jordan Stout, fourth round, 130 overall to Baltimore. Jordan Stout did not have a scholarship available to him at Virginia Tech. <laughs> wow. I know. It's incredible. Like, how? Like, this dude did nothing but punt well. I, and, and obviously the coaching staff now at Virginia Tech has some Penn State flavor um, that coached him, you know, <laughs> no less. But again, man, they didn't have a scholarship for this cat. And he comes to Penn State and just lights it up. And he lights it up about as well as you can be as a, um, as a specialist. And, it, and listen, I think this speaks volumes. Penn State's now had two punters drafted in, um, you know, in, the, in the last few seasons. Yeah, Blake Gillikin and, and Jordan Stout, both outstanding. I, I feel good for Jahan Dotson. I've just always felt that Jahan was not respected as much as – as maybe he should have been. Um, Jahan Dotson, to me, I'll make a very strong case to anybody that he's the best receiver Penn State has ever had while at Penn State. And I'm going on a catch-by-catch basis, a performance basis. You know, I know they've had stars, Kenny Jackson. Allen Robinson was phenomenal, 97 catches at Penn State his last year. But Jahan Dotson, he just never dropped a ball. Uh, There were six receivers taken in the first round. He was the fifth. And he was only a third-team All-American and not, not even a finalist for, for the Blitnikoff. That just goes to show there were a lot of outstanding receivers in college football last year. And we're going to get to Jordan Addison here a little bit in the third segment, the pit receiver and what all's going on with him with possibly transferring. But it just goes to show there were a lot of great receivers. And I would put Jahan Dotson up against any receiver in this country at, at any stage over the last year in college football. If you'd have put Jahan Dotson on on Alabama, if you'd have put him on any team that threw the ball a ton and had a balanced offense, which Penn State did not have, the guy had 91 catches, and everyone in the world knew they were going to be throwing him the ball, Jared. So uh, for him to go in the first round, really, really awesome. I thought Arnold Ebicady might be able to get into the second round. But look, there's a guy that transferred from Temple, spends his one year at Penn State, just balls out, awesome. 
from the first play really of his mm-hmm. season at, at Wisconsin, uh, you, you just got to feel great for Arnold Epicady. He he's going to end up getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, that gamble to transfer to Penn State pays off. You know that's huge. And you know, listen, it it's it's a great time for Penn State because ultimately you want guys to come on campus and you're showing the guys that come there for even a year improve their draft stock and get drafted in the first few days. And that's awesome for them. They had five picks on the defensive side of the football. Five. You know, that's I think that's awesome, you know, for the Nittany Lions moving forward. And I think it speaks volumes to where the program should really be heading. Okay. Um, yes. But a, the results have to add up. Yeah, right. Exactly. Developing, developing, development, pro day, that's all great. But at the end of the day, they might not the, – the results just aren't happening on the field. Yeah, that's just perplexing. I can't think of another word maddening probably for fans. Because, look, as much as Penn State fans may love the draft and love their team in the NFL or whatever, Penn State fans want to see these guys kick ass and take names at Penn State, all right? And so James Franklin and Penn State can brag about having eight guys drafted and this is the second year in a row that they've had two guys picked and three guys picked in the first two rounds. Yeah. And yet they've gone 11 and 11 during those two years. Now, Michael Parsons did not play in 2020. Uh, so we have to put the asterisk on that. But the, the bottom line is Penn State is one, acquiring a lot of talent. The recruiting has gone great. And two, Penn State knows how to develop the individual talent and the workout warriors. And there's a lot to be said for that when it comes to the draft, but they go seven and six last year with, with eight players drafted and they could have had two more, by the way, uh, Derek Tangelo, not drafted Ellis Brooks, who had a hundred tackles at linebacker, not drafted. So you had 10 potential guys that could have been drafted on a team that went seven and six, Jared, that math does not add up. Right. It's weird. It's got to, at some point, at some point, the results have to happen on the field, you know. Um, but, but again, and this is something, you know, we'll touch on here in the third segment because they, Penn State's had a, has had a crazy week. They got a new, they have a new athletic director. And I think one of those things is, are you guys trying to win games? Are you trying to produce NFL talent? You can do both. It's been proven. Look at Ohio State, Alabama, everything. But the results, the game day coaching matters too. And, and I think that's huge moving forward. Well, I, I teased this at the end of our podcast last week that we could have a good question of if James Franklin had not gotten his 10-year contract, would he have done some things differently? I'm going to push that back again, folks. I'm sorry. We've got a lot of other stuff going on this week with the draft, but I do still want to get into that. If decisions would have been different, and I don't think this decision would have been different, but we can close this segment with this part, Jared, because let me ask you this. Next year, yes or no, is Sean Clifford drafted? Sixth or seventh round. You think he gets – I don't think he gets drafted. It's no for me. Next year, is Will Levis drafted? I think it's probably third or fourth round, depending on how he does at Kentucky this year. Uh, that, that might be a little bit of a stretch. I would think maybe fifth or sixth. But the question, again, did they let the wrong quarterback go? Uh, if Sean Clifford, you know, we were talking in the first segment, could he be another Kenny Pickett? No, I don't think so. Could he work himself into the draft? One, if they have a running game. We've said this a, bil- a billion times. 
if the offensive line is good and they can develop a running game, maybe Sean Clifford from 2019 returns and, and he looks good, better than a game manager kind of thing. But, hey, look, you, you go read all this analysis about Will Levis down at Kentucky. Will Levis has a cannon of an arm, much better than Sean Clifford's. Levis is a better runner than Sean Clifford. You know, you, you, you start to think about, okay, decisions that are made. They, they didn't even give Levis a shot, Jared. They, they didn't no. give him a shot. You know, no. Clifford stunk in 2020. They go 0-5, and, and they let Levis start one half. One half against Iowa. They let him throw a bunch of three- and four-yard dink and dunk passes. They get down big because the defense sucked, and they say, that's it. You're now a running back. You will play you at quarterback some, but you're now a running back. And so when we get into this discussion of, okay, is Sean, can Sean Clifford be Kenny Pickett? Let me reverse it. Could Will Levis be Kenny Pickett? Did, did they let the wrong guy go? Because as it stands right now on draft day, the final day of the draft in 2022, I'd say there's an 80% chance that Will Levis gets drafted and gets drafted higher than Sean Clifford next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible. I, I'm very interested to see how that t- turns out. And I would love to pick the brain of James Franklin of what really went on into that decision. You know, both with Trace and Tommy Stevens and with Will Levis and Sean Clifford, is that a situation that could happen again? I don't know. Obviously, well, Clifford's out know. of eligibility. But I don't know. Tom, Trace, Trace McSorley is one of the greatest right. leaders in the history of Penn State football. Tommy Stevens was a decent quarterback. The way this has worked out, though, Sean Clifford has not been a great quarterback. If he can turn that around in his final year, that's one thing. But I, I, I have a hard time drawing any comparison to Trace McSorley because, man, of all the quarterbacks that have ever played at Penn State, if you needed to win a game, I, and we're talking some legends that have played at Penn State. Kerry Collins, yes. Trace McSorley is as much of a gamer as they've ever had. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. He is a legend. If you're going to build a statue – um, of anybody, I think Trace McSorley is the guy um, that should adorn that. Um, but yeah, he's he's one of those guys, and I know that's a bad comparison. But again, what goes into the what goes into that process? Because you know Trace has game tape, Clifford has game tape, but Will Levis runs the ball seventeen times in a, in a football game. He's a quarterback. It's an issue. But Corey, before we hit the next segment and talk about some of the changes going on at Penn State around the college football landscape. Who do you think is the highest projected guy for Penn State entering the fall? Uh, in terms of the draft, I have always loved Joey Porter Jr. Now, Joey did not have a, a strong season in 2021. The second half of the season, he was getting penalized left and right. His technique was bad. But there's the name. There's the athleticism. Um, just, just off the top of my head, I've just always loved that guy because I think Joey Porter Jr. can be a first-round pick. Uh, so if, if, if I had to put money on anybody, it would probably be him. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. Um, you know, it's, honestly, I, I wish I could say Brandon Smith, because I think Brandon Smith would be the best guy. But obviously, he was, his name was called. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, he would be my pick, too, at this point, um, just because of the name. But he's, he's got some good skills. Um, he got caught with the hold, you know, he was exposed against Ohio state, but you know, he's got the, he's got the NFL pedigree and you know, Hey, I, I hope, hope the best for him. And he's got a great head on his shoulders and talking with him, you know, he's um, he's very involved with special needs children um, at Penn state. 
And I think yeah. that's, you know, that shows a lot of maturity. And, you know, I think that's huge as a special ed teacher myself. You know, I, I think it's, I think that speaks volumes to the character of, of that young man. And, you know, Hey, everybody knows, everybody knows his dad. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, I, I would venture to guess 99.9999999% of people know who Joey Porter senior is, but again, you know, there's so much that can happen between both now and the season and beyond that who knows what's going to happen when August actually rolls around. The other name I'd throw out real quick to end this would be Caden Wallace, uh, a tackle for the same reasons as Rasheed Walker, but he needs to have a good near year next year. It's, it's just hard to believe that Rasheed Walker slipped all the way to the seventh round, Jared. Yeah. I, yeah, that is always going to be shocking to me. Um, but again, you got to perform and, you know, I, I, I don't think he performed up to, up to his level of play this year. And hopefully, you know, hopefully the Packers get some value out of that pick because I think he does have the talent and the ability to play at the next level and, and play quality, quality football there. But at the same time, who knows what's going to happen moving forward. So let's talk more NIL, what's the craziness in, in college football and the craziness that happened around Penn State this week when we come back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, it's been a wild turn of events the last probably 72, 72 hours. Kenny Pickett's top target, Jordan Addison, we talked about early in the, in the segment or in, early in the podcast. He is off to USC, the rumors have it, potentially being looked at by Alabama. There are all kinds of rumors swirling. Why would he leave Pitt, you ask? Well, what's not to love about Oakland? Uh, or the city of Pittsburgh. And well, except if you're being offered millions of dollars to go play at USC or an SEC team. So yeah, there's a, a million reasons why that's better than, than what you're getting in Oakland. Money, 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 money. And you know, look, um, we're recording this late Saturday night. Uh, he has until Sunday, May 1st, enter the transfer portal and all that stuff and, and determine which school he's – that's that's the NCAA rule. Uh, we're assuming that he is going to transfer to USC or someone else, uh, somewhere else. But as we're recording this right now, we, we just don't know. So, unfortunately, everything we're talking about it is speculation at this moment. But the money – the money it, – it's a challenging discussion for this reason. The coaches in college football are the kings. They can make their eight, nine million dollars a year. And they can have one billion percent control, and the players have nothing uh, that they can really do. That's kind of the way it's always been. Now the pendulum has swung almost 180 degrees the other way. Yeah, the coaches are still getting their money, but when these players are able to leave, then they have a tremendous amount of leverage and they can leave for any reason. Now you throw the NIL in, and even though reportedly, you know, Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports and others mentioned that Kenny or that uh, 
Jordan Addison had an NIL deal at Pitt. I'll guarantee you that deal wasn't paying him millions of dollars. And this is, this is the trouble with where we are in college football right now, Jared. Give this another 5, 10, 15 years. All of college athletics are going to be a complete wasteland of anarchy and wild, wild west. There are Pitt fans who are pissed thinking that USC tampered. They're, they're, and this is just the tip of the iceberg because this is the first player of this caliber who's won awards and, and we'll, you know, we, we assume is just going to just flip just like that for no reason other than maybe NIL. Now, Caleb Williams went from Oklahoma to USC, but he lost his coach. So there, there's a difference there. But what I'm saying is get used to it because this sucks for Pitt. This sucks for college football. But this is probably going to start to be, if not the norm, this kind of thing is going to happen a whole lot more. And as we sit here right now, Jared, I would say that there is a higher percentage chance that Drew Aller does not finish his career at Penn State than there is that he finishes career, his career at Penn State. Transfer portal, NIL, money. He could probably get more money somewhere else. All these things come into play. And like I said, this really sucks for Pitt. And I do feel for them, which, you know, Penn State fans probably don't have any love lost for Pitt. But this could happen to any star player on any team with, with the likes of a USC, a Texas A&M, a Florida, an LSU, an Alabama, if these boosters are somewhere all of a sudden come up with millions of dollars to poach these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, t- it's, it's a new addition to an arms race that was already unnecessarily out of control with, with facilities and amenities at colleges. Now it's a whole new ball game, man. And, and that's scary. There's no regulations for this yet. Mark Emmert is just like, peace. He's out. Like he's gone in 2023. He says he's done. I think that's, you, I could talk at length about how I feel about Mark Emmert, but again, this is this is a disaster. This was a disaster waiting to happen, and it's finally happened. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. This is just the the tip of the iceberg, and it's going to be scary how this happens. Now, to segue into that, well, hang on. One thing I want to add on that because the pit folks are going to claim tampering, and we don't know for sure if there is or is not. But the problem with all of this is. And, and I, I'm a child of the 80s. I lived through the SMU stuff mm-hmm. back when everybody was doing all that stuff. And the problem at that time was the NCAA didn't have the enforcement people to go out and investigate every single thing. Now, with all, what's going to happen with all these players, thousands upon thousands of players in the transfer portal, maybe Pat Narduzzi thinks that there's tampering going on. Maybe, maybe there is tampering going on. How do you prove it? One, can you prove it before Jack Jordan Addison actually leaves? Is it going to be proven two years from now in a court of law after you've already lost Jordan Addison? You see what I'm getting at? You, you, don't, have, you don't have investigators and committee people that can take care of this is a This is going to be a massive, massive, massive problem for the simple fact that there are going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of football and basketball players in the transfer portal, how many schools can claim tampering? Well, now you got to investigate. How long does that investigation take? Well, longer than it's going to take for the young man to go to that other school and play. And that's where this really sucks for Pitt. I don't know if there's tampering by USC. It would se- You'd seem to think so. 
since there are rules in place right now. But I shake my head in befuddlement of that this is happening, but with the clear understanding that this is going to happen a lot. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and it's going to get ugly. Um, it's going to get really, really ugly. Because uh, teams like USC, man, they have endless amounts of money. LA, man, what a land of opportunities for, for financial gain for them. Donors, Hollywood. Uh, I mean, they're, I guarantee they're offering him the world. And now here's, a good se- now here's your good segue into the new Penn State athletic director. Yeah. What, how is he going to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because Penn State, let's be real, Penn State is far from Hollywood. Uh, you're in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of, I mean, what is it going to be big time donors? I know we talked about successful honor and we do, and we will have them on this podcast at some point. I promise that. But again, you know, how's he going to handle it? And football is king in Penn State. Let's not get that twisted. Football is king. 107,000 fans every, every Saturday home game. That runs the 31 teams in the athletic department, right? And, and college athletics, you're not always operating um, at, at a profit. There are only a few select teams up there that are. But, you know, what can they do? What will they do? Um, I, obviously, you know, he said the right things. I think the one thing I, what I, what I was intrigued of is his relationship with Matt Rule from when he was at Temple. Matt Rule is a Penn State guy, State College guy even. He's, a, the, he's with the Carolina Panthers. Things haven't always been so rosy down there in, in, in Charlotte. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see that, that relationship well, moving forward, even well, though James Franklin is locked up for quite some time. That's the thing. Patrick, Patrick Kraft is who we're talking about, the new AD. Could you imagine, Jared? Oh, my God. Could you imagine if James Franklin did not have a 10-year contract and they hire the guy who knows Matt Rule, mm-hmm. okay? Because I felt like Matt Rule – was the number one candidate for Penn State if James Franklin had left for USC or LSU. Matt Rule from State College, many people know that, walked on at Penn State. So uh, from all indications, Patrick Kraft, the new AD, a terrific hire, uh, was, was at Indiana, was at Temple, was at BC. He's worked his way up. He was an athletic director, did a good job at, at Boston College. So, so from all indications, this is a good hire. And this is probably about as good as Penn State could do. However, whoever they hire, this guy or anybody, he's got a tough job. They need massive amounts of money. I'm going to write something on this here soon. Would Penn State be better off just tearing down Beaver Stadium and building another stadium? Every figure I've heard, every figure and estimate I've heard is that Beaver Stadium is going to need half a billion dollars in renovations over time. Should you just go build a billion-dollar stadium instead? You know, would, would that be better? Where are you going to get the money? So now right. we trans- transition back into NIL. And, and there are, you know, these, these entities have to do this. Penn State, there's rules and regulations with how much the school can be involved or not involved in, things like that. I'm not going to get into the technical parts of it. But the bottom line is, as you mentioned, State College Pennsylvania is not Los Angeles. State College Pennsylvania is not College Station, Texas, where you've got bukus of oil money. State College Pennsylvania is a rural, in the middle of nowhere place that you're driving in the country and the mountains, and then you see a campus, and then you're driving in the country and mountains again. And Blaze Alexander can only give so many cars to people for NIL deals. 
And Terry Pagula only has so much money. And uh, he has a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But how, mu- how much is he going to come back and give money? Ira Lubert. So the, the thing about it with Penn, with Penn State is, yes, Penn State is near the top when we're talking the haves versus the have-nots. But they're not at the top. Penn State is near the top when you're talking facilities. Are they top five, top ten? No, probably 15th to 20th. Are they top five, top ten in NIL possibilities? No, they're probably 15th to 20th. Right. So that's my point, Jared, is Penn State fans want a top ten program with a chance to compete for a college football playoff and a national title. But essentially what you have is the 15th to 20th program in the have versus have not discussion anybody wants to debate that okay geiger they're 13th or they're 16th or what they're not top five they're not top 10 not when it comes to facilities and money beaver stadium needs massive overhaul not when it comes to nil money so can penn state be a top 10 program when you're not top 10 in the arms race yeah i mean that's gonna be tough um because you're right, there's a lot of dairy farmers, and yeah, Gene Stalker's a great, great guy, but he only ha- he has he has limited funds to to give away. Jared know? wins the best line of the podcast today. That was good. All right, listen, I'm always I'm always here. We we hear all the time that cars cost less than Claysburg too, but mainly that Gene Stalker's a great, great guy. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do. This is gonna get this is gonna get out of hand. It already is out of hand. So it'll be interesting to see. I have no confidence the NCAA will step in and do anything. Um, they of, can't. A value, you, you right. Can't, the NCAA can't go hire 4,000 investigators. You know, so an investigation at North Carolina, <clears throat> Jared's school, yeah. takes 10 years and nothing comes out of it. All right. So, okay, so maybe the NCAA goes investigates Lincoln Riley and USC for tampering with Jordan Addison. How long is that going to take? Four years? Jordan Addison will be in the NFL. So – the, these are the issues when, when you have more money. And again, folks, don't kid yourself. You, if you're listening 40 minutes into our Penn State podcast, you are a Penn State fan. And Penn State has a, a lot of reasons to believe that they can contend with just about anybody. But yeah. if somebody comes and offers a Penn State kid a million bucks to transfer, there's a good, there's a good possibility Penn State can't match that. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a shame because – it's going to be, again, the has and the have nots. And that's a scary situation for programs like Penn State that are trying to get to that next level. James Franklin's helped pump millions of dollars into renovations at the Lash Building and the football facilities, which in turn have turned into things across campuses, new stadiums, everything. But at the same time, there's a, they're still far behind a lot of programs in the Big Ten and the country. And and I'm very interested to see what Patrick King does um, and what they do moving forward because they've got to catch up or they could be left behind. And that's not right. a good situation for Penn State to be in. It's not like Penn State is in on the – has to be worried about being irrelevant in college football. Penn State is always going to be extremely relevant because of the size of the stadium, because of the fan base and, and the tradition. But what's the goal? Is the goal to be top five? Is the goal to be top 15? I do think once they, tr- once they go to 12 teams in the playoff, I've said this before, Penn State should, should be in position to make a 12-team playoff five times a decade. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that is reasonable. So there, there's always that nugget and that possibility there. 
But at the same time, when you're talking about do you, do you actually want to have a legitimate shot to win the college football playoff? Well, can you do that as the 12th or thir- as the 10th or 12th team into the field? Because I just get the feeling that that's really going to be Penn State's lot in life more often than not going forward is the number eight to 10 to 12 team. Now, look, there are 120 other programs in the country that would kill to be the number eight to 10 to 12 team. And being the eight to 10 to 12 team would make James Franklin uh, give him a hundred million bucks and a huge long career at Penn state. Right. But does that mean, does that mean they win a national title? I, I don't really think so. So if the goal is to win a national title, Penn state still has some work to do. If the goal is to just outdistance yourself from a hundred and twenty other teams, well then yeah, Penn State's still in good shape there. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But Corey, it's buckle up, man. It's gonna get wild. It's gonna be the wild, wild west. And it's not even well, now it is May, right? So <laughs> the summer's just heating up and it's not even June yet. So let's see what happens and let because there are gonna be, I think, quite a few dominoes to fall. Even today, it's Sunday, May 1st. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things go the, re- the rest of the way and, and on into the summer because there's going to be another plethora of, um, of transfers come, come after the summer workouts. There always seems to be. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes as well. But, you know, time to see what happens, Corey. Um, until then... For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Prugar. Nobody's offered us a lot of money to transfer anywhere, so you're stuck <laughs> with us for another week. I'm jumping the- ship if somebody gives me a million bucks, I'll tell you that. Yeah, me too, Corey. I <laughs> might even let you borrow some. Um, but for Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Prugar. We'll catch you again next week unless somebody offers us a lot of money uh, in NIL deals on the We Are Podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.